Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, Book 1, Chapter 19, on the pious practices suitable to a good monk. The life of a good monk must be full of gracious qualities. He ought to be inwardly what he looks like outwardly. And indeed, there should be much more in him than meets human eyes. It is really God who is watching us, so that we ought to be abashed by his presence. Should we not be pure as angels when we walk like the angels in his sight? As each day comes anew, we ought to renew our good resolutions, rekindle the fires of our devotion, as if today were the first day of our coming back to God. Help me, Lord God, we ought to say to him, in carrying out my good resolutions, in this holy business of serving you. Help me today to make an effective start. So far, I have really nothing to show for it. Progress means a program. With the best will in the world, it is an anxious business. And if the man who has a firm resolve often fails to keep it, what of the man who seldom or never makes any fixed resolution at all? Those resolutions, what a lot of excuses we find in breaking them. Even a minor omission, where these pieties of ours are concerned doesn't go unavenged. There was always loss somewhere. That is why holy people, when they make a resolution, depend more on God's grace than on any wisdom of their own. In all their decisions, it is the grace of God that gives them confidence. They know that man proposes and God disposes. The course of a man's life is not what he makes it. To be sure, you will have to admit a pious custom now and again, because some work of mercy or some service to your brethren calls you away. In such a case, you will find no difficulty in taking it up again. But if you give it up from mere ennui or mere negligence, you are definitely at fault, and you will feel the ill effects of it. Try as we may, we shall still be betrayed into a number of shortcomings. But it is useful, nonetheless, to have a resolution about something definite, and concerned especially with the faults that are the greatest hindrance to our progress. Outward behavior, inward thoughts, should alike come up for review, should alike be regulated. Both of them have much to say to our spiritual progress. If you can't be in a state of recollection all the time, at least you should collect your thoughts at intervals. At the very least, once a day, every morning, let us say, or every evening. Morning is the time for making resolutions. 
when evening comes, analyze your past behavior. What sort of person have you been today? What have you said or done? What have been your thoughts? In any of these ways, you may have offended God and your neighbor oftener than you knew. Take your coat off and stand up like a man to the devil's treacherous assault. Restrain your appetite for food, and you will find it easier to restrain all your bodily appetites. Never leave your time quite unoccupied. Always be either reading or writing or praying or meditating or doing work of some kind for the benefit of the community. When it comes to bodily mortifications, these should be practiced with discretion. They are not meant for everybody alike. Your practices of devotion, when they do not take the form of community exercises, must not be for all the world to see. Being your own private affair, they had best be performed in secret. And at the same time, don't let yourself grow slack over community exercises and hurry on to your own. Carry out fully and faithfully the obligations enjoined on you. And then, if you have time left over, you can be your own master, using what devotions you will. You can't expect everybody to use the same practices of piety. One suits you, and another suits me. What is more, different ones appeal to us as more suitable to different occasions. Some we like more on feast days. Others are for daily use. Some we need more in times of difficulty. Others when all is calm and quiet. Some chime in best with our melancholy moods. Others with those moments when we rejoice in the divine consolation. When the great feasts come around, our pieties must take on a fresh lease, and we must ask the saints for their help more urgently than ever. Always your good resolutions should look forward from one feast to the next, as if that was the date on which we were to leave this world for a better and keep their eternal holiday. In this way, the holy seasons will call for careful preparation, for special holiness of life, and especially strict observance of all our duties. Only a short time now, we shall feel, before God calls us to enjoy the reward of the work we have done for him. And if that moment is delayed, let us rest assured that it was because we were not ready for it. We are not worthy as yet of that glory which will make itself known in us when the appointed time comes. We must make a point of being better prepared next time for the move. Blessed is that servant, we read in St. Luke, who is found watching when his Lord comes. I promise you, he will give him charge of all his goods. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Angels of God are guardians dear to whom God's love commits us here. Ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. Saint Philip Neri, man of primitive times, apostle of Rome, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. When we read this book, The Imitation of Christ, we sometimes get the impression that all the emphasis is on our effort, on our needing to try harder. And if we have that impression, then we're slightly misunderstanding the focus of the book. And chapter 19 makes it very clear that the focus of the book is on the grace of God that's at the origin of all our good resolutions. Notice what he says in section six tonight. Ask the saints for help more urgently than ever at certain times of the, of the church's year. Why? Well, because we cannot expect to do great things on our own. We need the prayers of the saints. We need the help that they can obtain from Jesus Christ for us. But notice something even more important. Every morning, what does he want us to do? Say, help me, Lord God. Help me, Lord God. What's therefore at the beginning of our life? the beginning of our efforts to be good, the beginning of our life to get to heaven, it's divine grace. It's God's help. And if we actually ask for God's help, then God is already moving us. Our desire for his help is a sign that his grace is at work in us. He's inspired that prayer. Every prayer, in fact is inspired by the Holy Spirit. We do not know how to pray as we ought, St. Paul says, but the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So let us never think that our trying to imitate Christ, and that's what this book is about, is first and foremost about our decision. No. We have been invited by God's grace to this wonderful path. Man proposes, he says, and God disposes. In other words, we make great plans, we have all kinds of ideas, and then God makes things turn out slightly different. We propose, this is how things are going to go. This is how I'm going to make my life look. And then God actually disposes of things. He arranges things in the way that he knows best. In other words, there's someone else guiding our life. There's someone else directing our life. Now, does that mean that we don't have to try? No. And the Imitation of Christ is one of the strongest books in emphasizing the importance of human freedom. And that's why the book can give the impression that our effort is what's primary. It only gives that impression 
because he's so much emphasizing our need to correspond with God's grace, our need to use our freedom, our need to truly follow Christ. All of us have to say, thy will be done. All of us have to pick up our cross and follow him. The God who created you without you, St. Augustine says, will not save you without you. We did not choose to be created. He did not ask for our acceptance of being created, our agreement. But he will not save us without our agreeing, without our cooperating. And so it's crucial that we make resolutions. Crucial, crucial, crucial every morning, especially resolutions against the things that we know are blocking our spiritual progress. And why in the morning? Because the night before, we did an examination of our life. We analyzed our day and we saw the things that need to be reviewed, need to be checked, how we've offended God. And over time, we begin to see the patterns. And if we've been blessed by someone who can inform us even more clearly about our big defects, then when we get up in the morning, we resolve, Lord, today, I'm not going to be this way. And don't pick five things, pick one thing. Remember what he said earlier? If we could only grow in one virtue a year, how quickly we would become holy. If we could just focus on developing one good habit or getting rid of one bad habit and make resolutions and then pray. Pray, pray, pray. We make much more progress if we resolve and beg God to bless the resolution than if we simply try to do it on our own. Because if we simply try to do things on our own, the Lord lets us fall so we learn to stop trusting in our own strength. Come, Holy Spirit. Help me, Lord. Mary and Joseph, pray for me. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.